Howdy, neighbors, and welcome to another Ag Perspectives podcast. Today, we're pleased to have along with us the chairman of the House Science Committee and former chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, senior member on that committee now, the Honorable Frank Lucas of the 3rd Congressional District of Oklahoma. Congressman Lucas talking with us from his office in our nation's capital. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, I know a lot of folks are interested in how you're, uh, how you're getting along in your recovery uh, from the accident from, uh, from summertime. I'm making great progress, Ron. I haven't used a walker or a cane in, I guess, maybe a month and a half now. I will acknowledge to you Advil and Tylenol are still my best friends in the morning when I get loosened up to start. But considering what could have been, uh, I'm doing great and continuing on the road to full recovery. Uh, not working cattle for the time being, though. Not working cattle, and probably uh, I've given up my career as a bullfighter for the rest of this life. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, let, let's talk about uh, all things uh, farm policy, if we might. And I, I thought before we get into the farm bill proper, the other side of the coin uh, is trying to figure out how we get uh, the ag appropriations, the uh, USDA and FDA funding across the finish line. What, what are you hearing from your colleagues on this? I think the appropriators want to do not just the bill that contains the ag money, but they want to do all 12. We have a, we're operating under something called a CR, a continuing resolution to fund the government at last year's levels through essentially the end of January. I, I, I believe it's in our best interest to get the regular agropropes bill done. I will acknowledge that there were some really complicated, almost bizarre amendments offered on the floor when it came through. But if we can't do it in regular order, then it'll be a part of some kind of a package or a series of packages to fund the government through the rest of the bookkeeping year. The USDA offices will stay open and the electricity will be on and those good people will be able to, to work with us. That's the important part. And uh, at this point, that, uh, you know, as you mentioned, January is the deadline that uh, Congress and uh, the House especially has got to try to deal with on that. Speaker Johnson has said if we can't finish our regular uh, appropriation order, it's actually time to start the new appropriation process for 2025. Then he would expect some kind of a bill to fund things to finish out the regular bookkeeping year, regular fiscal year, which is the last day of September 2024. So we're funded. We're going to stay funded. It's just what kind of a process is it going to be is the real question right now, Ron. You uh, mentioned Speaker uh, Speaker Johnson. Uh, you've had a chance now to probably deal with him on some leadership meetings already. Uh, what you know? What, what's your early thoughts about uh, the Speaker from Louisiana? He's a sincere conservative, both social and economic uh, issues. Uh, he's a very accessible, open guy, and he's something that we haven't had in a long time. He uh, is a very good communicator. The ability to explain uh, him and the House to people. So I hope that my colleagues in Congress will give him a chance to be speaker and we'll uh, work our way through the rest of this legislative year, which still has about 12 more months to go approximately. Now, let, let's talk about uh, the, uh, the 2018 farm law that now has been extended for a year. So that uh, in all likelihood means uh, a 2024 farm bill uh, still to be put together. Um, are, are, you, are you satisfied that uh, the... Uh, uh, actual extension did come through uh, with that last, I guess it came with the, uh, the CR, didn't it? Absolutely. In the environment we're in right now, Ron, providing certainty per, to producers is critically important. 
Now, there are a variety of things that need to be addressed in a farm bill. Uh, reference prices, how the crop insurance program works, uh, that may be our best vehicle to try and undo the damage done by USDA in Washington, D.C. on the ERP program. But getting extended through the 30th of September 2024 gives us certainty, and that's really important because you've got a unique set of circumstances in that you have a Senate Ag Chairwoman, uh, Chair Senator Stabenow, who will retire at the end of next year's session. The closer we get to the end of her term, I think, the greater the focus on her legacy, which means passing a bill. The closer we get to a general election day, having a bill pass the House and the Senate and go through conference and go to the president's desk, I'm almost certain President Biden will sign it. Uh, every president running for your election apparently likes to sign farm bills. Uh, there's just a whole bunch of issues out there. But right now, at this moment in time, as complicated as things have been up here basically for all of 2023, doing a one-year extension was in the best interest of producers and, for that matter, consumers out there. The, um, where the, where the, I guess where the money comes from, that is the, uh, maybe the soap opera that is going to be a big part of trying to put together this next farm bill, isn't it? Exactly. Chair, uh, Majority Leader Schumer of New York Senate doesn't seem to be too concerned about uh, fiscal restraint. Uh, the focus of under Speaker Johnson and the Republican majority in the House is how to get a grip on spending. That's the issue. There are enough money in a variety of programs, especially extra monies that uh, President Biden and the Democrats uh, appropriated early in his term, that I think we can do what we need to get done if we are given a little flexibility in doing that. But there's one other element here you have to factor in, too. The Biden administration from day one has been focused on what they refer to as social and environmental justice. And that will make the farm bill process more complicated because how many times have you and I discussed the importance of the fundamental principle of farm bills, which is the money follows the production because farm bills are about raising food and fiber, making sure we have enough to eat in this country at an affordable price. If you follow the Biden focus, which is sending the money to certain people you want to farm and sending money to those people who farm the way you want them to farm, then you're deviating away from the basic principles of, of every farm bill since 1933. This Extra extension and all these issues we're dealing with up here, though, give us a, a chance, those of us who really care about raising food and fiber, to continue the fight. And we have to win, Ron, because we can't go the route the administration wants to go. I guess one uh, one example of that, uh, as far as uh, the Biden administration trying to uh, pick winners and losers on, on who gets the money, is this uh, current conversation about ERP. Is that right? Absolutely. It is, it is a dramatic example. We had systems in place, basically, when there was a disaster, when there was a need for emergency relief, to allocate those resources, again, based on production, equitably across the board, region, all regions, all commodity groups, in the rules that the USDA in Washington, D.C., this is not the local office, in Washington, D.C. has put out, they incorporate this concept of environmental and social justice, and it is, it is flabbergasting the reports I'm getting from the field about how the monies were allocated in 21 and basically couldn't be allocated initially from the 22 crop year because of the way it was handled. 
we've got to overcome that. Now, it may require changing administrations to get it done. It may require a, a farm bill that the president might have some real hesitation about signing, but I think he would. But you can't, you can't step away from the fundamental principle, the safety net, the resources should follow production because farm bills are about raising food and fiber, not picking who should farm and how they should farm it. Uh, it's, it is very frustrating, and every producer who's dealt with this now in the last so many months out in the countryside understands exactly what I'm talking about. You, uh, you mentioned the fact that there are monies, kind of the pot of money, that, uh, especially as related to conservation-type programs that are funded well, all the way out to about 2030 or so right now, theoretically. Uh, but you know, the, the, maybe the sticking point on that is Ms. Stabenow. She said, can't touch that money. Uh, it, that, that'll be problematic, I would think. That's what she says. And remember when we did the 2012 that became the 13, that became the 14 Farm Bill, uh, Chairwoman Stabenow was chairman of the uh, Senate Ag Committee. I've worked with her before. Uh, I think we'll get there. It just may help with the extension of the Farm Bill that we get closer to the end of her term because this will be her legacy bill, her final big piece of legislation. And there's an incentive to pass that, just as from my perspective, there's an incentive to get it right. Your uh, relationship with uh, with uh, Chairman Thompson, do uh, you feel like that uh, he's going to be able to, you know, uh, steer this thing in the right right direction, working with the uh, uh, conservative elements that want to really, uh, you know, be very, very conservative on how money is spent? Uh, that That's going to be uh, a tricky, uh, to say the least, as he tries to work in 24 and who knows, even 2025. Absolutely. I, of course, sat at the chairman's elbow, the most uh, senior member of the committee on the Ag Committee. I have a great working relationship. GT was one of my subcommittee chairmen. He was previous chairman Conaway's right-hand subcommittee chairman when we did the 18 Farm Bill. GT understands what it takes to get there, but it is a difficult minefield. And I always remind folks, Farm bills are done under the traditional legislative process. Work at committee, work on the floor, committee in the other body, on the floor in the other body, a conference committee to work out the final report, and then that goes to the president for signature. That's the way legislation is supposed to work. There will be several twists and turns here before we get to the final bill. But as has been the case uh, for my tenure in Congress, ultimately when we get to that final bill, it will reflect uh, the best interest of the country and the needs of rural America. Yeah, the left will push us one direction for a while and the right will push us the other, but ultimately we have to make sure there's enough food raised in this country to meet our needs, and for that matter, to be the reserve food supply for the world, as we have been since colonial times. Do you feel uh, uh, there is going to be a reasonable window of opportunity here in the first half of 2024 to get something done? Yes. When we work our way through the appropriations process at that end of January, funding the government then through September, that will shift the focus, which has been the case for the entire basically calendar year, away from the appropriations process and back to other bills. The Farm Bill is one of those critically important pieces. Don't be surprised, Ron, in, sometime in 2024, 20, if the Farm Bill doesn't become 
one of the, if not the most important, do pass bills, and other people will try and hitch a ride on our effort as we go through. And so that uh, that means that uh, there may be uh, uh, some things that uh, could get hit, hooked to it uh, on the floor that could be very problematic, I would think. Yeah, problematic or sometimes help incentivize the process. Uh, we'll just We'll just have to wait and see as we work our way through this process. The environment here in Congress with the bare Democratic majority in the Senate, mm-hmm. uh, now three-seat majority in the Republic, Republican majority in the House, a uh, president who has real popularity number problems as he's running for election. This is just a different lay of the land than anything I've ever seen before. Might uh, switch gears for a moment, uh, Congressman. Uh, you, of course, uh, uh, wear the uh, the chairman's hat uh, over on the Science Committee, and I know that you uh, and we've talked before about the uh, the Weather uh, Reauthorization Act. Uh, you've you've actually moved that out of the committee, correct? Absolutely, we're uh, we're ready to go to the floor. The Weather Act is one of a number of pieces of legislation that we're working on in the Science Committee that have a real impact on everybody's life uh, back home. You remember when when I was first asked by leadership to go over to the Science Committee, the focus was how do we get the Science Committee back to where it's functioning again? And picking the old Ag Committee chairman kind of was a statement that they wanted things to happen. The Weather Act passed uh, unanimously out of committee. Basically, it updates the 2017 Act that I wrote. It codifies a number of new programs to help improve weather forecasting, modeling, a prediction. There are many people who believe we have fallen behind the Europeans in our modeling so that they can make accurate predictions farther in the future than we can. We've got to speed up on that. The Act also encourages NOAA, the National Weather Service, to work with private satellite and sensor companies to incorporate their information into what uh, the government collects so that we, once again, can improve the weather forecasting. Uh, There's things like addressing uh, uh, the weather radio channels to try and strengthen our emergency preparedness. But the bottom line is this. Whether you're a farmer or you work in the energy industry or you're a Main Street business person, or you're just looking out the window in the morning to see whether it's going to be hot, cold, what the commute to work and back is going to be, or what your electric bill is going to be this summer or this fall, weather matters in this country. I would actually expect the Weather Act to come to the floor on something called a suspension rule, not open to amendment, but required to receive two-thirds of the vote to pass, because we will do our work in the Science Committee on most subjects so that we don't have to have lots of screaming on the floor. We'll be passing legislation. You mentioned uh, weather radio. The uh, kind of the companion on that is this continued conversation about AM radio. I know that you've been a strong proponent of uh, working with uh, some of your colleagues on that as well. For some of our younger listeners, perhaps, they may not realize, but the original radio in this country was AM radio. It is different than FM line of sight. It is different than anything you get off of the off of broadband, off the Internet. And from a, an emergency preparedness uh, perspective, AM will be there when nothing else works, 
whether it's a national emergency catastrophe or a weather catastrophe, we need to maintain this. And there are certain forces out there who would like to to stop putting AM radios in tractors and cars and pickups and making the AM band available on all other radios uh, just simply because they are short-sighted and don't believe there's ever a need. We have to have access to everything in this country. Uh, I use that weather band, so to speak, in my farm tractor, and AM will, no matter what happens, uh, be available as long as you've got a receiver that can pick up the broadcast. Oklahoma Congressman Frank Lucas visiting with us today on the long line from his office in our nation's capital. On the Oklahoma Farm Report, I'm Ron Hayes.